Law Focus Podcast. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome to Law Focus, the show with a staunch focus on the law. My name is Basil Shurinda and I am going to be your legal guardian for this evening. Right at the heart of Bramfontein, I'm becoming your point of legal information, bringing you the best of legal argument. This evening we are going to be discussing cash and transit heists. Now the show this evening is looking at regulations that which govern how cash and transit security guards should deal with a heist in general. Now, there are a couple of regulations around what kind of firearms should be used, um, what is the protocol, should they feel like they're in danger, and what are the rights that they have. And so this show will be unpacking all of that. We'll be speaking to Motor Transport Workers Union, uh, Mr. Tlasinyane Mutau, and he'll be giving us a perspective on on what the uh, cash and transit uh, match was about. We'll also be speaking to engineers to try and understand the kind of protection that which uh, that which can be can, can be extended to uh, the cash and transit vehicles. Uh, we'll also be speaking to security guards on the ground to try and give us a perspective on how on what they deal with in the event that there is a strike of some sort. Uh, we're going to be speaking also. We're going to be also speaking to Miss Annalise Burgers, who actually wrote a book called Heist, and she's done extensive research on why cash and transit heists have been uh, and 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 uh, have been uh, an epidemic in the country. Uh, low focus listener. Unfortunately, this evening we're not going to be having uh, legal hotspots. Uh, it's going to be quite an interesting show. Uh, please uh, stay focused. Uh, this is Law Focus. Law Focus, handing you your rights. Welcome back. Uh, it's still Law Focus. We are speaking to security uh, security guard. We were able to get anonymous uh, view from one of the security guards, and we've actually uh, compressed the view to a package so that you can listen to uh, some of the issues that they deal with on the ground. I understand that in general, uh, the, the general perspective in society has been that in the event uh, that there is a heist or even a bank robbery in general, I mean, bringing in another analogy there, uh, is that there's always the inside man, you know? Um, and so, unfortunately, whoever who is a security guard of this money is a suspect before is a suspect before anything. And there are many things that they go through. And I understand that some of them um, may be a violation of their rights. And I understand in some instances, if you are not the inside man, you would you would have endured so much um, dismissing, uh, so much abuse. And I understand that uh, that in itself can actually uh, uh, be damaging to someone's life. Uh, and psychological trauma, which opens up another conversation. Do they even go for psychological trauma? Because after sustaining so much fire, uh, so much um, violence, and so much, after escaping so many bullets, I think someone does need psychological trauma. We're going to be speaking to the security guard, um, and this is where it starts. This is what he had to say. Being a taxi driver is good, but I left the job because it did not have benefits. Our job is dangerous and it has a lot of life-threatening challenges, but we are used to it now. Being a security guard for cash and transit company has changed my life completely, and my financial state is better than it was two years ago. One of the challenges that I have faced is to have a situation where we lose money. Sometimes one ends up being in trouble with their colleagues. This job can be tough sometimes because you get deployed with a group of people that you do not trust. I would not encourage young people to do this job, but it must be something that one decides to do on their own. 
Some of our colleagues lost their lives on their first week on duty. Personally, I chose this job because I love it and it has always been a dream for me to work as cash and transit security guard. The company that I work for do support its employees that have been victims of heist by taking them for counseling and they also have a support group program. For someone who is doing this job, it is not guaranteed that I'll be alive in five years time. But if I'm still alive, I'll be a very successful man. Before I joined the company that I work for now, I was trained by a different company, although they did not hire me, but they taught me a lot on how to defend myself during a heist. So you want that me out in trial on service? Aye, Loro Corner Company. Welcome back. Um, you were listening to a security guard explaining what they're going through. Now, from an authoritative perspective, uh, the, the Motor Transport Workers Union spokesperson, Ms. Klasinyane Motaung, will be speaking to us about what the march uh, was about. You remember that march where we had so many cash and transit cars on the road and they were blocking the road and we could not we could not drive uh, past and especially in Bram they had a lot of uh, cash and transit vehicles on the road um, trying to send out a message that something must be done about all of these heists because people are losing their lives, people are losing fathers and some are losing husbands and so the Motor Transport Workers Union actually is trying to send the message across they are trying to have a change, they are trying to say that in actual fact, the way things are being currently done is problematic because we are not taking into cognizance the physical and psychological integrity of the security guards of the money. These people are the ones who actually got the money. They drive across the country uh, with their lives in their hands and they say, not on my guard, as the saying goes. And so, uh, Mr. Klasinyan Mutaung is on the line. Uh, Mr. Mutaung, welcome to Law Focus. Um, you find us right at the heart of the issue, and I, we want to understand, since you had a march uh, right now in, in, in July, we want to understand what was that march all about, uh, Mr. Mutau? The march was about us highlighting to the government and the South African public at large the state of these cash in transit robberies and uh, the cruelty of how it happens. Mm. whereby most of our members are injured, some of them are dead, some are crippled because of these robberies. So uh, we were like highlighting, saying to the, to, the, to the South African government that we are dying here and we need protection from the government. And so, and so according to you, did the march have an impact? It, it did, it did. It's only uh, at the moment feel like the government is dragging their feet. But uh, on, 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 on the march itself, it did have an impact. What, what are the regulations that are in place um, for how firearms should be used by cash and transit uh, guards or the cash and transit industry in general? The only regulation, regarding, especially regarding uh, the, the, the issue of firearms, uh, the government started regulating firearms because of, I think, or maybe we were made to understand that the, the reason why they, 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 they put in this regulation in place is because of the carelessness and uh, most of the firearms that start being a, a firearm that belongs to, let's say, a security company or a, a police officer, and they get to be robbed 
sometimes at gunpoint or whatever negligent that will be there according to them they end up regulating making sure that if a private person or a private security company applies for 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 these firearms it becomes very difficult for them to 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 get or obtain a firearm license whereby uh, at the end now we are suffering as a security guys who are transporting money uh, because of these regulations and uh, now we were also trying to say to the government uh, if the security government uh, passed the requirement or had the requirement that is necessary for them to own firearms especially those who are doing cash in transit because now we are suffering these criminals will come with AK-47s and we are having only uh, the shotguns or the 9mm or even the 38. So you cannot uh, go to a war with somebody who's got uh, AK-47 while you are only having a, a, a 9mm or a 38 special. We're saying uh, we do need the government to relax the law a bit when it comes to this cash in transit companies so they can obtain these licenses and buy more firearms uh, the, the rifle itself not for private use i'm not talking remember the security guards that are transporting money they're not using their firearms at work they are using the company's firearms what are the implications of changing the regulations of the firearms um in the practical sense oh yes uh, that one is whereby we, 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 we are asking from the government to say, let these companies uh, have access or easy way of obtaining licenses. We want them to, because now at this moment, it's even so hard for a security company to, to have it. So if the, company can, the, the government can implement, especially when it comes to the, to the use of, of of, of rifles, and if the government can implement that 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 uh, that law or the, the the rule, that will make it easy for a security company that uh, transport money or security company that is involved in high risk areas to easily obtain a, a rifle license. That will help a lot. Because at this moment, as you can see, these criminals, they come on us very heavily and heavily armed. That is what can help us most. In, in your opinion, is, is police intelligence actually doing enough to protect uh, cash and transit uh, security guards? At this, at this moment, coming to protection, we are not happy at all. Because uh, uh, before... The police intelligence used to to have at least at some robberies have the information before the robbery could take place, and they will know the time, the place where the robbery will take place, and they will be there before. And when it happens, they will just pounce on those criminals. So at this moment, they're not doing enough. Actually, at this moment, when it comes to that, they are not proactive. We can say they do this. It's nothing that is happening. What do you think um, police intelligence should be doing? 
they have to infiltrate the criminal network. If they can infiltrate the criminal uh, network, then they will be proactive. At the moment, they, they, are not, they are not penetrating those criminals. That is the reason why uh, we're saying uh, it's, it's, it's not enough. What are the security guards actually saying on the ground? Are they frustrated? It's, 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 it's a big frustration, ma'am. It's a big frustration whereby as much as we know that uh, our job is so dangerous that every morning when you leave your house, you are not sure whether you will come back alive. But it's something that must not stay in your mind. It must just pass your mind because everyone here in South Africa has to be safe in a way that a very dangerous job of transporting money is it's 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 its impact or the danger of it must not come into your mind so that you can you know you can think free and you can observe when you are out there the danger that comes with your job but at the moment when every time this is in your mind it even hamper your mind to observe when you are doing this dangerous job and what kind of support do cash and transit companies offer um, uh, during the heist and post the heist to the workers? <laughs> you know, uh, let me answer you shortly so that I can explain. Uh, when a company said you, you were involved in a robbery, they say they will hear from you if you need, if you need uh, counseling or you need any uh, support going forward, that means that company doesn't have any support structure. Because if they do have the, the good support structure, it doesn't matter how big or small is the robbery. They must offer you counseling. Not for them to wait for you to ask for counseling. That one must must be a must to say if you were involved in a robbery. Uh, it's a procedure that you'll go for counseling. Whether you say, no, I'm fine, I don't need counseling, but it must be a procedure. So they, they're, not, they're not having anything uh, at the moment that they're offering to the members. And some of the members, they even say, uh, here at home, as a cash in transit guys, instead of you getting counseling, your counseling will be a, a, a polygraph because they will rush you with a polygraph. You'll do a polygraph test uh, before they can even help you with whatever situation that you might be in. And so, and so, what are the what have been the outcomes of the internal negotiations with uh, the Kensington Transit companies? These companies, at the moment, uh, they 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 have. Let's say they have opened their doors for such discussion to take place. But uh, what is worse about it? Uh, I will make an example. You go to, you, you, you invite them for a meeting or you make a meeting request, give your agenda to say, we need to come and talk about this. And uh, you go and meet them. The only problem that is there, 
there is nothing that they do about what you are raising in that meeting. There's nothing that they're doing. I will make an example. The other day, I, I invited one of these companies to say uh, there was a robbery before the two robberies of Atlas Road by N12. The first robbery that took place at N12, there were, there were these criminals throw in a bomb at the, the crew apartment, and, and there was a, a, a lady, a lady who was sitting there, who is uh, our, 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 our official, or maybe our member as a trade union. Fortunately, that bomb did not detonate. And when this criminal attacked their, their church van, she was sitting at the back alone. Uh, they've got the new system that they have put in place that it allow for a dual control. And then that system doesn't allow you now as an individual to open your own door for your safety. We raise it to them. I can tell you now, if we can go to the company, they haven't done anything about it. And we say to them, this lady who was sitting at the back had to use the escape port to, 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 to get out of the back of that vehicle on the day. And that escape port, it's meters high before the lady, because actually that escape port, it's something that you're supposed to use when the, the cash van has a roll. You use that one to, 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 to get out of the vehicle. But now if the, the car is standing on its four wheel, it's very high up. Remember now, it's meters up from, from its ground, ground, ground floor. And then now, you can just imagine now when that lady has to get out of that escape pod. But fortunate enough, because most of these ladies have received the CIT training, it was going to be a big issue if these people are going to bomb this car with this lady at the bed because she cannot open the door herself. Because now the door has to be uh, open in a dual control. Now they don't have any mechanism whereby when you have been attacked, your driver cannot do a dual control. You can't open that door alone. These things, they don't act in time. They don't act in time. Uh, Mr. Mutawung, thank you very much for your contribution this evening. Uh, we, we, hope, we hope for the best. We hope for, for change. Thank you very much, ma'am. Thank you for, for your time also. Uh, have a great evening. Bye. You're still listening to Law Focus. Law Focus. Point, point of information. Law Focus went out to speak to the general public to get a contribution from them as to how they see this cash in transit issue. Um, the highest have actually uh, uh, opened up a, a, a nationwide debate. And so we needed to hear from the people on the ground what are their views. And so we went to speak to some of the students and this is what they had to say. The safety of the security involved obviously it needs to step up. Those guys, I don't know if you ever see what they look like after a cash and transit heist that goes successfully for the robbers, but it's not too successful for the security guys. And I'm pretty sure that their health benefits for the company, for instance, does not cover 
the stuff that they go through. So, I mean, it could definitely be better. If you're going to put your life in jeopardy like that, you should at least be taken care of by the company that has employed you. Jesse, as far as I can, and I keep my distance, because I read this article, now. it was um, actually talking about how you can keep yourself safe, um, like in front of those trucks. It was talking about how you have to, you don't get in their way, uh, maintain a safe following distance, don't park behind the car. So, yeah, I try to keep my distance. I don't think they're doing enough because I think this year alone, didn't they say they've been already like a hundred and something highest? So I don't think they're doing enough. And I think they're working with the police. It's like an inside thing going on, yeah. I definitely don't think they're doing enough, but I also think that there are so many, there's so many obstacles to them doing enough that we also need to take in consideration. Lack of resources, lack of training, lack of proper leadership, you know, and I really think that it's never going to be a one fix issue because all of these things are completely interrelated. I, 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 get, very, I get very tense whenever I see the truck because then the guns and everything, um, which I understand that they're to intimidate, but you just, you just don't know. You just never know and you never know what's around you. And it's worse for, particularly in, 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 in uh, um, auto banks in like Amarengen or something like that. Labana, you get serious stress because you're like, dude, listen, it looks like a target up in here, you know? Um, so I think they need to do more about it. Um, so for the people who work, uh, as the people who carry this money around, it's definitely not safe for them because they are a target wherever they go. Uh, people are checking their routes, people are checking when they stop, their times and all those, their schedules basically. Um, and for the public, it's, it's pretty scary for all of us because you're walking, maybe you're not paying attention, but your friend sees it and they're like, hey, hey, come, let's cross the road. Here's this car. And this is before the heists and all these things that happened. So before any of this happened, we were already scared of them. Now with the heists, I think it's just elevated the, the, you know, the fright within the general public. Well, obviously, I think there's always somebody in the inside helping. Because how would you know which trucks to actually target? Because it's not all the trucks. But some of the trucks are pickup trucks. And you find those that actually just take the money to the bank. So from an outsider looking in, you wouldn't actually know. Cause, so yeah, for me, I would actually say there's somebody in the inside helping. Okay, well, in, in, in smaller communities, they could alert the police. Well, a life lost. You should think about that. That person working, you might find that that person is the only breadwinner. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Welcome back to Law Focus. You're still sitting with Basil Shurinda and I'm still your law guardian for the evening. Right at the heart of Bramfontein, I'm giving you the best of legal argument. This is your point of legal information. This evening, we're, dis- we're still discussing cash and transit heists. And I understand that uh, from your perspective, you would understand the cash and transit heist to be one of those vigilante situations where everyone gets excited because there's going to be so much investigation and the, in- in the inside man is going to get caught. Not always. And this show has proven that some people are actually quite human. And some of them are just uh, trying to feed their families. And unfortunately, these heists have done nothing but cause them psychological trauma, but also have put them right in hot waters. A lot of, of people have lost their lives. And, and that is quite a problematic issue about cash and transit uh, vehicles in general and the, the industry itself. Now, 
what this show has brought forward to the table is that the security guards endure quite an amount of pressure, if not abuse, post the um, the heist itself. And I understand, and it is in our understanding that something needs to be done in that regard to provide for protection, but also to provide for a thorough um, investigation. Um, yeah. To, 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 to bring it back to the heart, we actually know, now also understand that there's a need for further protection of the security guards. We need to either protect them stronger uh, by, by protecting the cars that they drive, provide them with more firearms, p- perhaps change our currency to cryptocurrency or use helicopters, all of those discussions. And hence, we are also going to be speaking to an engineer who's going to explain to us um, uh, how metal allies have been uh, researched in the industry. Uh, he's going to give us an engineering perspective to the issue from metallurgy perspective. Uh, we went to the ground and we had this interview with him um, and, and his name is Mr. Kurume Morovela, who is a candidate here at Vets University uh, doing uh, research in, in metallurgy. Mr. Kurume, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. How are you? No, I'm doing well. I mean, you, we, let's get into it. The cash and transit issue is a fundamental issue in our society, and I think that um, most people have had different kinds of approaches to it. In your view, what, what are the main issues that we should rather be focusing on? Yeah, obviously we know that, um, what do they call it, the modus operandi has changed because now these guys have reverted to using explosives and this presents um, a serious problem to the cash and transit companies and the securities as well. So a lot of people have suggested that, you know, we get more security, we get convoys, we get helicopters, all sorts of suggestions. But the, that I personally think that doesn't really work. We should rather focus on taking the incentive with our using violence so I think that's where research and development comes into play we should actually focus on coming up with a material which will actually be able to withstand the um, explosive force you see while you know keeping the, the the money safe and keeping the security guards safe I think that way you will actually be able to frustrate the criminals so I in my understanding what you are pushing for is rather for stronger for stronger protection and security um, from 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 a metallurgical perspective indeed because I feel like you know what this guys there's no uh, question and the fact that these guys are well connected i mean if you see the kind of weapons they use they use assault rifles and assault rifles are not something that you can get at your pep or pick and pay you know these guys that even the the, the precision at which the some of the, the the robberies are committed you can see that these guys they are trained and they know what they're doing so giving the security guards bigger guns of course it will solve the solution to some ex- the problem to some extent but well let's think about uh, the security of the the, the, the public because these guys are so brazen that even some of the robberies are committed in broad daylight in traffic for that matter so think about the collateral damage think about the safety of the security guards themselves what do you think is going to happen because you get these guys bigger guns the thieves will most likely get the same bigger guns and then you just have a shootout then what but i mean even even in protecting the the vents even more don't you think that they will get even more stronger explosives no indeed that's a possibility but the thing is now, research and development, it's, it's, it's a continuing process. Obviously, like you said, like they're constantly going to be looking at different ways for them to be able to get the money. So that's why I'm also pushing. We should also push to find um, a better material to be able to withstand the, um, what do you call it, the force. Because even if you look at the motoring industry, they are pushing for lighter, faster cars. And, you know, before they used to use this 
big heavy chunks of steel but now they've reverted to carbon fiber but they haven't stopped they're still pushing so i think we should do the same but i mean in, in the immediate in the immediate sense i understand that you also mentioned the helicopter uh, solution mm. and I, I understand that most people are actually arguing that the helicopter solution is a longer process like, like the cryptocurrency and so forth but now in the immediate space what should we do to uh, to obviate if not avert this danger it's a tricky one. It gets tricky. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a tricky one. Eh? Because bottom line is, all this requires money. It's expensive, you know. It's not like you're going to wake up one day and decide, oh, yeah, no, I found the perfect alloy for this, you know. It's going to cost money. And let's not forget the cost of production, fabrication, the works, you know. So in the immediate sense, mm, hmm, no, it's, it's, it's tricky. Because now you have to think about things like um, corruption, the fact that these people have um, their leaks in some of these departments, even the been cases where police and even military personnel have uh, been involved. So, <laughs> so in your advice, you would rather push for more of a policy amendment to the extent that we allow for stronger protection, and would you would you push for also for for stronger use of weapons? Well, I don't really recommend the stronger use of weapons, even though it's it's it's, it's, it's it, it is a solution. But let's not forget the danger of it. You know, mm. at the end of the day, we want to solve the problem with as least violence as possible. Yeah. Of course, people might say these guys are criminals if they're going to shoot at you, you might as well shoot back. But let's not forget that it's not only the criminals which are involved, there's the public as well. And we also have to look at the, the public safety um, aspect of it. And so, uh, I mean, I, 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 like, I like the point the point that you are making. Aren't you also worried about perhaps police intelligence in the country? Would you say that um, perhaps that has also played a role in how this problem is being solved? No, indeed. Um, there's no doubt that, you know, some of the highest um, police officers have been compromised. And, you know, the, the, the stats don't lie, numbers don't lie, news don't lie, you know, we've seen it. And there, there have been cases where, you know, there's some division in the Hawks was, was dissolved a couple of years ago. And it could have inadvertently led to the spike in um, Kazan Transit Heist. Ah, Mr. Kurumi Monovela, thank you for your invaluable contribution. You're still listening to Law Focus. Law Focus, point, point of information. Welcome back to Law Focus, and you're still speaking to Basil. Uh, we're still discussing cash and transit heists. And remember, we're doing it from a legal perspective this evening. But particularly, we're looking at other issues that which are connected to the main issue itself. Uh, on the line, we have Ms. Annalise Burgess, who, who has written a book called Heist, um, which looked at, looks at crash and transit heists. Ms. Burgess has been an investigative journalist uh, for many years. She's been award-winning for more than 20 years, in fact. Uh, she's been on radio and television, the Truth Commission, Special Report, and SABC, Special Assignment, and so forth and so forth as it goes on and on. Annalise, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, okay. I mean, we... I mean, a couple of weeks ago, we've witnessed the cash in transit heist uh, that which spanned span all over the entire Jobek, if, if, in my understanding. Uh, and it was based on some of the killings that which we had experienced um, during these heists. Um, in, in your understanding, I, I understand that you wrote a book and in your book you speak about these heists and you bring to the fore some of your perspective on it. Now, what has struck many people is how... The rapid, the rapid way in which it happened, uh, and I understand that you said actually this is not the first time it happened. Can you please um, take us through that? 
Well, um, the thing about cashing transit heist is that we, I mean, we've obviously seen this incredible spike um, over the past three years. It's not been such a sudden spike. It's come for a long time, and that's why I'm call, I call it an epidemic. Yeah. I call it a crime virus. So in 2014, we had about 180 uh, cases of cash and transit uh, heists or cash and transit crime. And by the end of last year, there were 378 cases. And this year, we're already over 180. Hmm. Um, And I think what, what... Everybody started really talking about cash and transit crime. After that, that um, the video surfaced on social media about that very dramatic heist in Boxburg um, some six or so weeks ago, where we saw this incredibly almost surgical strike in the middle of a town center with people acting with military precision and blowing up two vans. And people were shocked at how incredibly violent it was, but also at how professional it was. And that is the thing about these heists. These are very well-resourced, very professional gangs with great skill who then um, attack these vans and attack the, the security officials in these vans. And I think that is what then led also to the strike that we saw um, about four weeks ago, where the security guards who are on these uh, armored vehicles said, you know, we, we work under incredibly dangerous conditions and we want to actually make our issues known. Mm. Um, and the strike brought up a lot of these issues, the fact that they say they don't have the right weapons um, to counter these professional gangs that operate with high-caliber rifles. They say they're not properly trained. They say they don't get paid enough for the dangerous work. So I think over the last two months, a lot of the issues around this whole topic uh, has become, you know, has, has become spoken about, and that's a very good thing. Mm. I mean, you you speak about a lot of things. Um, particularly, my my main interest is on the issue is regulated because I understand that right after a, a heist, um, there there is an approach that which uh, that which the company would have the private security, perhaps G4S or so forth, would have to whoever who survives uh, as an employee. Now, what what happens? Can you please take a step st- step by step through that? What basically happens? Well, um, one of the one of the things that uh, cash and transit guards raised during uh, the strike was they say that they often come under suspicion after a heist instead of being given the necessary uh, trauma counseling and support uh, after such a traumatic incident. And, and the different cash and transit companies, they are three big ones that all have different ways of dealing with it. Um, many of the companies do have trauma counseling in place. I'm not sure if some of the companies don't. But clearly the guards are saying to us that it's not sufficient. So what would happen after a heist? Obviously, um, you know, the security company needs to understand what happened. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, often there is insider collaboration. Um, The, you know, the the gangs themselves, there's a lot of academic research that has been done that focuses on interviews with incarcerated criminals, and they all speak about the importance of having people on the inside who can give you information. They called finger men or finger women. And so unfortunately, when these companies try are trying to understand uh, how a heist happened, they often have to go and look at if there was insider 
um, assistance, assistance. To, the, to these guards. And I think it's something that the guards feel bad about. But I think it's a necessary, it's a, it's a necessary element in, in trying to address, address the crime. Mm. I mean, you say it's lucrative, it's easy, and it's low risk. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Okay, so, you know, when people say to me, why is this crime so, um, why does it happen so often? Is it called, is the it answer called? is exactly what I said, what you said now. It's lucrative, it's low risk, and... Um, it's easy. And it's easy. So, let's talk about easy. It's easy in the sense that there are uh, thousands of vans literally crisscrossing South Africa on a daily basis with large amounts of cash on them. It's the, it's the way our economy works. It's a cash economy and we need to get the money from banks and to shops and to ATMs and to, you know, grant payout points. So that's the reality. It's, it's an easy target. Um, they say it's lucrative. Well, there are enormous amounts of, of, of cash being transported. In my book, I looked at only 10 heists over the last 20 years, which is a very small uh, sample mm. of the overall number of heists that took place. And only in those 10 heists, there was 465 million rand that was stolen. And only 20 million rand of that was ever found back. So we can see how lucrative it is. Mm. And when we speak about how low risk it is, we're not speaking about the fact that uh, the... The criminals say it's low risk in terms of of their physical safety, which it also is because um, they don't, you know, the chances of them being shot and so on doesn't happen that often, although mm-hmm. it's violent. The low risk element is that they say the um, the chances of being arrested are very low, and the chances of being successfully prosecuted are very low. Mm. And if we look at the prosecution um, rate of arrest and prosecution rate of cash in transit crime, it's pathetically low. So mm. they're right when they say there's very low risk attached to this for them. I mean, let's speak about the element where you speak about, um, uh, for example, low risk. And we have seen a lot of videos that show how, um, in, more, in more instances than one, these criminals are, are, have the upper hand. Um, would you yes. recommend that perhaps we change the firearms that which are being used by the uh, security guards? I think it is something that um, security companies look at, but what we must also realize is that um, I speak about this as a mutating virus because the criminal gangs respond to whatever reality there is. You know, we see the crime shift. So um, whereas initially... In the, in, the early, in the early 90s, you would see casino or bank robberies. As the technology improved, they moved their focus away. So my personal feeling is that by just, you know, fighting fire with greater fire, we are just going to make the gangs be even more brutal and even more violent. The mm. answer to solving this problem lies in proper, uh, proper prosecution so that it becomes a risk for people, that it becomes a real risk that you might end up in prison. But I mean, I mean, before we get to proper prosecution, we need proper investigation. And in more instances than exactly. one, isn't it difficult to find these criminals? Yeah, so, um, so before prosecution, that's a very good point you're making. First of all, we need, we need the arrests, okay? And, and then you need, beyond just the arrests, you need proper investigation. So you need very experienced 
police officers who have been doing this for a long time and know what they're doing to gather the, all the required evidence. Um, you would know, as you know, your show is about the law, you would know that to be able to prosecute people and take a case through court, you need the evidence to prove that people did what they did. Mm. Um, and that's a difficult process, and you need skilled people to do that. And then, and then you talk about knowing where these people are. And that's also a very important point. We need proper a crime intelligence. So um, the police has a crime intelligence division, and their job is to find the information about criminal syndicates that then allows proper arrests to take place and proper investigations to take place. And over the past 10 years, our crime intelligence division in South Africa has become, has imploded, I think, um, in terms of their capacity. We know there was a lot of politicking and, and the focus shifted um, away from proper crime intelligence to being involved in, 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 in political uh, surveillance and political intelligence. And I think that's possibly where some of the problem lies. I have spoken to many people since the new, uh, the new leadership has come in, and there is a sense that crime intelligence is, is building their capacity again, that they will start um, being able to really be the engine room of this fight against cash and transit crime. I mean, I, I like the fact that you touched on, on, on police intelligence there. And I think one of the other issues has been how do we finance, um, how do we finance more protection from the police as we are already struggling to finance uh, police intelligence currently in the country? Mm. Just, just explain what you mean with, uh, with financing that. I mean, so for example, if we are going to add more po- police intelligence, it means that we're going to need... Uh, to get perhaps uh, protection to these vans as they are as they as they are driving across the city or the country. Therefore, that means you need more vans. You need more money for the police who are, who are going to be protecting those cars. Now, the yeah, you see, yeah. So it was the you see the, the cash and transit companies uh, companies who transport the cash are private companies. So yeah. the protection that happens is not actually from the police. The protection is actually from their own resources. So, for instance, you will often see that um, some of the big vans have have escort vehicles, and those vehicles will be with you know highly armed people who will then escort a vehicle. So you it is a it is a case of money. Um, money that is needed and investment that is needed um, and that is something the cash and transit companies will have to look at I mean let, let, let me let me augment my, my question mm. As the, the police have a constitutional uh, duty to protect whoever yes. who is in the country doesn't matter what business it is and now particularly yes. in the cash and transit space it clearly means that we, we need more protection as a constitutional duty of the of the police uh, mm. of the police services now if they are going yes. to fulfill this this constitutional duty it would mean that they would need to put more money into it that that, that would be an understanding that, that is common yes now yes. If, if should we recommend that now, how do we finance that as a country? That, that's my question. That's a, that's a very big question, but I don't think we necessarily need to spend more money. Okay. I think we just need to be clever, more clever in the oh. way that we use our resources. And for instance, big crimes like cash and transit crimes need to become priority crimes. And we probably need um, dedicated task force uh, or units that, that focus on these crimes. And that is happening already. We have a cash and transit task force 
that is staffed by very experienced people. Um, and, you know, it is, it is something that happened over the years that the so-called specialized units were disbanded and policing was brought down to, to, to almost branch level. And I think uh, authorities have realized that that possibly wasn't the best move and that we do need specialized units. So I don't think it's about needing more money. I think it's about us being cleverer with, mm. uh, with the way we structure and, 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 and run our investigations and our police capacity. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's a very interesting point that you're making there. Now, coming back to the issue of lucrative, since these vans sometimes um, transport over 20 million, would you also recommend that perhaps we spread the money uh, and, 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 and reduce the, the amount of money that one van carries around? I think they, I think, I don't, I'm not sure that one would ever find a van that has 20 million rand on it. My understanding is that no van um, should be allowed to carry more than 5 million rand. Um, what I am told is that because of the pressure that cash and transit companies have, um, they, they often exceed that amount. Um, and, and of course, that is, that then becomes the the target because with inside information you might know that a van has more than five million rand on it so of course from a just from a logical point of view it would be necessary to to make the amount smaller and spread them around but i think the issue is that it's a logistics issue and you need to get money out sometimes Mm -hmm. i'm sure we are putting more money on these vans than we should be yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking from research perspective, actually, when I'm saying 20 million. I mean, in some, in most of the high that which we have researched as law focus, we have found that um, with more money, more above 30 million, it was stolen from one van and, and those security guards were killed. And yes, man, that, that yeah. has been quite a concerning issue for us. Um, uh, but, but in closing, uh, what would be your closing remarks, Ms. Annelies? Well, my closing remarks are that, you know, we can talk about all kinds of fancy solutions. You know, people talk about us, we we need to become uh, less dependent on cash and we need to, you know, people talk about cryptocurrencies and people talk about why don't we use helicopters to transport cash. All those arguments uh, are kind of besides the point because we are a cash economy. Our economy depends desperately on getting cash to every small little corner of our country and it might not seem fashionable and it might not seem like the, the gung-ho approach that everybody was, but the, wants, but the solution is, is unfortunately quite boring. It means we must arrest people and we must prosecute them and put them away. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you are raising a very important point there that, yes, we need to move in other directions. We need cryptocurrency. We Perhaps we, we need um, um, uh, air in transit as well. But <laughs> crime, will, crime is there either way. And I think that we'll still find ourselves in the same place because we do have petrol and diesel be, being transported by aeroplanes uh, and they're still being heists there in, the, in, in that area as well. Um, yeah, exactly. Those, those solutions are all very much in the, in the future. Those are future solutions. And yeah, the point about yeah. helicopters, I might just make that point. Uh, it's actually also besides the point because you can't, you can't take a helicopter 
to an ATM. You know, you yeah, still true. need to move from a van or from the helicopter to an ATM. You can't fly, you know. No, no, no. But, but I think I think the point. Mm. Sorry, sorry. I think the point mm. that most people are making about the helicopter is that then you have yeah. the vans tra- traveling a shorter distance. So, for example, you yes. have vans that are going to travel. Uh, from Bramfontein to Auckland Park. So the helicopters yeah. will deliver the money at a certain place and from there the vans will travel to those ATMs. Yeah. In that way the distance yeah. is shorter and it's in areas where it's not easy to bomb them. I think that that was the point yeah. you were making. Yeah. Yes. But thank well, you. Thank you. Yeah. No, thank you, Annalise. Thank you for... for please, uh, I'll, I'll tell my Low Focus listeners to go and buy the book Heist. I've, I've, I've had a good read of it, plus at, at the beginning, and it was interesting. And I think I'd love to read further. Thank you very much for your, your, your invaluable thank contribution. Thank you so much. Ah, have a great thank evening. Thank you. You're still listening to Low Focus. Good night. Will the lives of those who protect our money be protected? That is a question that is a society we need to answer. Whilst we are doing... Of robust investigations into the issue whilst the police are also doing their constitutional duty of investigating these matters the people who protect this money uh, wake up in the morning not knowing what is going to happen on the day um, there are a couple of men who wake up in the morning carry their firearms get into a cash and transit van and they they drive across the country with plus minus five to six million not knowing what will happen some of them never return home as, they, as, as only information returns that they have been shot dead during a heist. Now, this show was highlighting that issue, was highlighting manner, the manner in which we were protecting them, how regulation may be standing in the way of protecting them even further or providing with them with more ammunition and more weapons to protect themselves. Low focus listener, from where I'm sitting, I understand that there are various dynamics to this issue. One is the need for us to move further in the manner in which we deal with currency. Secondly, do we need to provide them with more firearms? Do we need to stop using cash and transit vans and start using helicopters? But we need to do sea transit. The unfortunate thing is that even if you create um, a situation where there is, there is a link on how you deal with money, the lives of those particular people who protect that money are still not safe. Would that minimize cash and transit heists? Perhaps yes, perhaps no. You need an immediate solution at the end of the day. Low Focus this evening was probing that issue. What can be an made an immediate solution? We need more police intelligence. Perhaps we need more firearms. We need helicopters. We need cryptocurrency. At the end of the day, we need to do something about this issue. Focus listener, thank you for tuning in this evening. Uh, from our producer, Ms. Bulali Diakopu, the one who made this entire show possible. From our two correspondents, Sia and Veronica. From our technical production, Kets and Gudwanu Gunsirame. From me, remember that if it's not legal, then it's wrong. And if it's wrong, then you should not do it. My name is Basil Shirinda. If it's, if it's, if it's, it's law and it's serious, have a great evening. Law Focus, point, point of information. Law Focus Podcast.